The Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. This is the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Coming to you from the betting deck. Don't believe what I just saw. Here are your hosts. Hey, good evening, everybody. It is the boys of Ad Notebook Wagering coming to you this Tuesday night. We are going to have a special guest on. First off, just wanted to let you know we're going to cover a little bit of college hoops tonight, maybe dabble in just some normal sports betting stuff, maybe even sprinkle in one of Smitty's rants and raves, do a little teaser Tuesday, too. But uh, let's just start off because he's got limited time. I want to introduce, uh, he's a lead national writer, member of the U.S. Basketball Writers Association. He hosts his own podcast. It is at Heat Check CBB. Check him out on Twitter. And without further ado, Brian Ralph. Hey, Brian, thanks for coming on, first of all. And we're just going to shoot some hoops ex- excitement with you. And we have a special question at the end what we're going to do. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself and the Heat Check College Basketball podcast and website. Yeah, so Heat Check College Basketball is a website that was started about two years ago um, by a, a good friend of mine. His name is Eli Becker. Um, a group of us are, were independent college basketball writers who had been doing this for a while um, and wanted to team up. Uh, and Eli had started a site and ended up bringing us all on. Uh, we aim to cover college basketball from every angle possible. We are all big college basketball fans, college basketball diehards, both from the Blue Bloods all the way down through the, the mid-majors and low-major ranks. And so we aim to cover the sport through its entirety. There might be a little bit more of a focus on, on the top teams in any given year, um, but we aim to, to cover it for all teams the way that we would want it covered as fans. Because again, we are fans ourselves. So the way I like to put it is if you're a college basketball fan, you can find anything that I think you would want to find on HeatCheckCBB.com or on Twitter, as you mentioned, at HeatCheckCBB. Awesome. So before I let these guys fire a couple questions at you, I have one general one. Since you're such a college hoops junkie, Please tell me you've been to the Mecca, Vegas, opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. I have not. Oh, uh, on, it is on the list. It is on the list. Uh, I have bounced around and been to a couple different places, uh, but Vegas has not is on the list, but has not been crossed off yet, unfortunately. I don't know what else is on that list, but prioritize <laughs> and bump that sucker right up. <laughs> It's going up there. It's going up there, I that's know, for sure. I, not, to, not to brag, but I think I've been there probably 11 or 12 straight years, and I only missed once because of the COVID outbreak the first year. I even went last year when it was limited access. So, I was slated to get out to Vegas for a couple of games you know, during Feast Week and all that when basically every college basketball team was in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were shortly – it was about a, a month, a month and a half after the birth of my son, so my wife kind of – squash those plans <laughs> yeah family first all right boys yep. i'll let you guys fire a couple questions hit it go ahead jay camp oh no i was just looking uh so far and i was reading some of your articles here um so who's the one team that we should be surprised by this far so far and why is it colorado state 
Yeah, I've I have been on the Colorado State bandwagon since they won. Um, I I don't know if I thought they would be this good, having one of the best offenses in the country uh, and the best three point shooting team in the country. But that's also what this team does really well. Uh, they brought back basically everybody, uh, particularly all, all the the main rotation guys from last season's team. That was a team that probably should have made the NCAA tournament if it was a normal year where they had played a normal non-conference schedule and had those non-conference opportunities. I think that would have they would have won enough of those games to get in. Uh, they didn't get those opportunities, didn't have that on the resume. As a result, ended up going to the NIT. But we're a very good team. David Roddy, uh, their six-five forward, is one of the biggest matchup nightmares in the country, just because he's 6'5", 250, skilled enough to take bigger four men out on the perimeter. He's got guard-like skills, uh, but being 250 and that being a, a strong 250 and not a fluffy 250, uh, he can handle <laughs> smaller guys on, on the post as well. Uh, having him, uh, Stevens in the backcourt, uh, one of the better point guards in the country, and just the way Nico Medved runs runs that offense, that offensive system, I figured they were going to uh, take a step forward and be a top 25 team this season. Uh, they play Alabama uh, coming up here in, in a couple of days, which will tell us uh, really how good they are. But they're a legitimate team that can certainly win a game or two, if not maybe more, uh, in March. Yeah, you mentioned the NIT last year. Obviously, they've addressed it with the scheduling this year. The St. Mary's, Mississippi State, and as you mentioned, Alabama coming up um, mm-hmm. next week. So. No real excuses there with the non-conference. And, you know, the Mountain West, always kind of a mixed bag. Always guys that seem like they're always on the bubble um, every year. Like Boise State seems like they're perpetually on the bubble with Syracuse. So, mm-hmm. Smitty, what do you have for him? Well, I think I know who he's going to say here because from reading one of his articles. But, Brian, so far, maybe if you can name one or two, what teams have been, in your eyes, the biggest disappointed team so far this season? Michigan is the biggest one for me. Uh, they were uh, one of the handful of teams that I thought had a real chance to compete and win a national championship at the beginning of the season. Uh, Juwan Howard, this is his, his third season, but has already cemented himself as one of, I, I think, the better coaches in the country. I won national coach of the year last year. His Michigan teams had really overachieved his first two seasons and top recruiting class, uh, number two in the country, some good returners, key transfers. Everything seemed to line up for Michigan being at the top of the Big Ten again this year. That just hasn't come to fruition. Defensively, they're fine. Offensively, they're atrocious. Uh, the guard play is in there. There's no explosion on the perimeter. They were counting on Caleb Houston to do that, uh, their five-star freshman. He hasn't really been ready uh, for the step-up and play uh, major D1 uh, high-level basketball yet. He's been inconsistent, has not been the star that they've needed him to be. Devontae Jones reigning Sunbelt player of the year at Coastal Carolina, who transferred in to be Michigan's starting point guard, was also counted on to take a step forward and be a star, has not done so. He has played like a a Sunbelt player playing in the Big Ten. Still good, but has not been that star that Michigan needs him to be. So to me, uh, in terms of at least what I was expecting, uh, Michigan, for me, would be the biggest disappointment. I got to ask, because I know Maddie. Maddie has, I think, a future on him, and I know some other people, but – can you go in a little bit about Memphis? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, big game tonight. They, we got to see a big game tonight against Alabama. They, uh, Thank you, yeah. I had this so question. I had this question. I probably should have mentioned them too. I probably should have mentioned them too because they're, they're right up there. And I think the bigger disappointment with Memphis is that I let myself get hopeful about Memphis this season <laughs> because Guilty. they're the same. They're the same team that has been, 
Memphis the last three years. Same issues are plaguing them. They're turning the ball over at an alarming rate, making a lot of undisciplined plays, whether that be shot selection, silly fouls, uh, poor three-point shooting, no offensive movement. I was hoping it'd be different this year because you had uh, some veterans, some upperclassmen, uh, some transfers, what I consider to be elite freshmen from a talent perspective, at least, in Monty Bates and Jalen Duran. Everything was there. He also brought in Larry Brown, Penny Hardaway did, Larry Brown to be his lead assistant. Figure, okay, that should solve at least a portion of the offensive issues if they can be decent offensively with the talent that they have. Because Memphis, for all of Memphis's problems, they are still one of the most talented teams in the country. They can go talent for talent, prospect for prospect with you. Uh, it just hasn't been developed. I thought Larry Brown would at least help them get part of the way there, couple that with what has been a pretty elite defense uh, since Penny Hardaway took over. thought that would be enough to, to put them in contention. Uh, but it, it all the same mistakes are still there. It's been a, a train wreck. <laughs> all right, Brian. Put it nicely. <laughs> yes. Brian, no, I'm not- on – I'm going to steal your, your heat check tag. So UCLA won an, on an epic run last year and almost mm-hmm. pulled, off, pulled off the whole thing. However, I'm really intrigued by USC this year. Is yep. USC actually the better team in LA this year? Is it a cop-out answer to say they could be? No, no, it's not a cop-out at all. <laughs> I think they could be. I Right now, I would lean no, just because UCLA is the more proven commodity. Um, but I, I do think that USC with the defense that they've shown has the potential to be uh, Boogie Ellis, who Memphis transfer, one of those guys who was extremely talented that Memphis could not really get a lot out of. Um, if he continues playing the way he has for USC and giving them that elite guard play on the perimeter, I think there's a, a chance it happens because uh, Isaiah Mobley has been really, really good for them in the front court. I, I also with the USC, you know, they've, had some good games, played some some good teams, got some good wins, Washington State, San Diego State, but haven't played that top tier, real elite tier, top 25 caliber team. I'll be more comfortable once they do that and I see how they go up against teams that are just as athletic as they are, who have just as much talent as they do. Um, UCLA, I, I think we know what the floor is for them based on what we saw last season. They're not going to be playing at that level uh, that, as you mentioned, nearly had them win the national championship. That's that's not who they are, but they're a really, really good team. USC is a good team. I just think we need to see them tested before we find out just how good uh, or high that ceiling is. The only reason I ask, not to steal more thunder, is I, I really want to put a little bit of what we call pizza money on them to win it all because I think hmm. they have the talent to do so, especially in a year where we don't see a clear number one, in my opinion. It's true. Um, the biggest thing that gives me pause about that, I think a Final Four flyer would be excellent, but I I can't see Andy Anfield winning a national championship. It's just <laughs> something, something I mean, you know, there are certain coaches who play a fun style, but um, don't quite make their teams that much better. And Andy Enfield has been much better than I have given him credit for, particularly the last year or two. Uh, but it gets down to the final four and, and you're playing against, again, those elite teams and probably elite coaches. Um, I think that's where you might see a, a bit of coaching hold them back. But a, a final four run, I think, is absolutely a, a legitimate possibility. Great point. Thank you. I'm going to jump in here with a team 
Arizona. What's your mm-hmm. overall thoughts on them? Because what a great win over the weekend going into yes. play a tough Illinois team. And it seems like, you know, the big guy underneath is playing unbelievable. It seemed like they were starting to catch them, their momentum a little bit. And then to go in there, I mean, that's a very tough place to, to play and to win a game outright. What's your overall thoughts with uh, Arizona this year? These might sound like conflicting thoughts, but I, I think they're both true. I think Arizona is a really, really good team that can play in a national championship game, if not win a national championship. I also think they're not as good as we think they are right now. They've come out of relative nowhere for Arizona. Arizona is always somewhere, but they've really overachieved expectations and have looked dominant in doing so, but they haven't played the best competition. You know, their two most notable wins talked about Michigan. They blew out Michigan, handled them the way you would expect a top team to handle a team that's struggling like Michigan, but still a Michigan team that's struggling. Illinois, same deal. It was at Illinois, so give them a little bit more credit for that. But that's the first, you know, going in a a road environment, playing a decently tough team. I would put Illinois as a fringe top 25 team, I, I would say, this season. Going on the road, playing a team like that, getting a win is certainly a good thing. But when that's the toughest team you've played, uh, again, it, this goes back to the USC thing. I have trouble anointing you as being it, you know, being the top team or, or for sure one of the top teams until we've seen you play that level of competition. We'll see that coming up for Arizona at the end of December, start of January. They go on a run where all away they play Tennessee, UCLA, USC, back to back to back, all on the road. I think we'll have a, a really firm grasp about who Arizona is at that point. I think they'll win at least two of those games. You know, I think they'll stay at this level, but I need to see it before I'm ready to say, okay, yeah, they should be a national championship favorite. I'll fire away. So uh, just glancing at the top 25 rankings, I know it's a small sample. Which mm-hmm. conference, in your opinion, is the best? Because right now, basically, all the power five conferences or whatever the power conferences mm-hmm. are in college hoops – all have like three to five teams yeah. in there. Yeah, so who's, I, who's actually dominant right now? It's not the ACC. I'll tell you that much. Um, I, I would still lean the Big 12. I think the Big 12 has three top-tier teams. You know, Baylor's certainly up there. Kansas is up there in that truly elite tier. I think Texas can still get there, although they've they've been good, have lost the two toughest games they've played this year. I think Texas is a, a pretty clear number three. You go behind them, there's a, a pretty clear drop-off after that. But you look at those teams, Iowa State, Texas Tech, um, Oklahoma, teams that are good teams, that have quality wins. You know they're not going to be on that elite tier, but they have ones that have proven themselves at a, at a pretty high level through the first month and a half of the season. Uh, so because of that depth plus you know the, those top two or three teams, I'd probably give the edge to the Big 12. The Big Ten, if you take out really the first two weeks of the season, I think you could put the Big Ten in there too. But I would lean Big 12 right now. Jason? Yeah, no, I'm just looking through a lot of good stuff. Um, so I'm looking at two teams here that I was kind of surprised where they're at right now, and that's Texas Tech and Loyola Chicago. I really thought those were coach-dependent teams, and uh, they've played really well so far through this season, um, especially with Loyola Chicago, who lost the big guy mm-hmm. in the middle, who I – I thought was literally the whole show, uh, the way they run their offense through in the high post. That's really hard to find those guys these days. 
Um, mm-hmm. These guys are kind of still hanging around and being difficult. Like, how, how are they doing it? And the coaches that have moved on have actually done well other places too. Is it just a good program that they've built because those programs have kind of had to develop guys as opposed to just bringing in um, super classes or recruits and winning? The one thing both of those programs did was hired within, promoting lead assistants to head coach. When you do that, it's easier to keep a program in place. It also helps that partially because of those moves, those new coaches were able to keep a lot of at least the key players intact in both of those scenarios. In Texas Tech, you bring back um, Terrence Shannon. He's a key piece. Mark Adams also went on on the transfer trail, I guess almost a recruiting trail, which it kind of is, but searching for transfers, loaded loaded up on really good transfers at Texas Tech. Um, and has, offensively, there are some concerns, but has kept the defensive identity of that program together and, and kept that core together. At Loyola, Potter Moser leaves, uh, but Drew Valentine, lead assistant, comes in, keeps the same systems in place. Uh, not having Cameron Crutwig in the middle, to your point, is certainly a, a difference. Loyola, though, has a ton of fifth-year super seniors on the roster, guys who came back. And again, when you have that plus the coaching um promotion from a lead assistant to a head coach, it can keep continuity. I don't know if Loyola has the same ceiling it did last year because Crutwig was such a special player, but both of those programs are seeing continued success because they've made the moves necessary to keep as much of what they had intact as possible. Let's go into, so talking about coaching there, mm. you, you, on, what are your, on your podcast, you went in about the Maryland job. And that was kind of a, I think a, a move that you know, I'm live, I, you know, I live right by where College Park is, kind of really close and stuff. And it just seemed like you just couldn't get them over the top. They looked a little sluggish coming out of the gate. Now Danny Manning is the the coach there. Who do you think is going to get that job? I mean, a lot of people I've seen they talked, mm-hmm. you know, they really want Rick Pitino out of Iona, but I'd love to hear. I don't know about that, but. Um, I think it was, I think it was time for Turgeon just to just, it was a tough spot, I think for Maryland and just came out of the gate. Like I said, really slow overall. um, Who do you think Brian's going to end up there? This should have happened over the off season. And it it almost did. Turgeon was flirting with a couple of jobs, Oklahoma and Wichita state um, getting back to the Midwest where he's from and and has spent a majority of his life. I think, you know, coming back when Wichita state kept their interim coach on a permanent job, um, Isaac Brown. I think that was where his parachute spot was going to be. He was eyeing that. And then that job didn't come open. He ended up coming back, but his, his heart wasn't in it. It's been a couple of years now where um, he hasn't, he hasn't been fully invested in it and he can blame Maryland fans for that. But the Maryland fan base at the same time is a really, really smart fan base. I don't think they get enough credit for their overall IQ on the basketball side of things. They knew that he was a great, roster constructor every two or three years maryland had rosters that could make runs in march and compete for big 10 titles but never really did and the reason they didn't was because there was no progression under him and and there were a lot of times where he was holding them back with on-court decisions so i you know maryland fan base has caught a lot of flack for the decision from turgeon because how many programs just have their coach kind of quit on them but i also think to your point maryland knew this was not the guy to get them where they were in the early and mid 2000s when they were among the best programs in college basketball. They're still a top 15, top 20 program. I don't think there's any question about that. One thing I talked about 
compared to what looks like this coming off season versus last off season, there figures to be a lot less qualified candidates available for a job like Maryland. Last year, there were a lot of big name coaches that ended up switching jobs that Maryland would have been in the mix for. We don't know if Maryland would have gotten any of them. None of them had any real obvious ties to the school or necessarily to the area, but were names where Maryland would have very much been in the mix for them. This year, we don't know. Kevin Willard at Seton Hall jumps out as the most obvious qualified candidate, given what he's done at Seton Hall and the the resource advantage that Maryland would have in comparing you know Maryland job or Seton Hall job in the relative area uh, up in New Jersey in the Northeast. I think that right now makes the most sense. I brought up Andy Enfield before. He's got a great thing going in Los Angeles, but he's also from the Northeast. He went to college at Johns Hopkins. He, he could be somebody Maryland tries to make a run at. Um, you know, do they try and go after somebody like Bruce Pearl? I don't think so. I don't think either of those guys would leave, but I think we're going to, what I'm going to guess is that we're going to see a big difference between who Maryland goes after and who Maryland thinks they can get versus who they actually can get. Just because there's not going to be a lot of those big qualified names who are in a position to switch jobs. All right. I got one more for you, Brian. Um, So you, you had brought it up not too long ago about how the ACC seems to be down and, with Roy Williams gone, we all know Shashevsky's leaving at the end of the year. It, it seems like the ACC is actually not like in a spiral, but they're on the, the wrong side of the arrow pointing down. Who actually, once Shashevsky's done, who actually is the best coach in the ACC? My pick, personally, I'm going to throw out Bayheim because he, he only has a little bit more to go as well. I'm going to say uh, Tony Bennett, Virginia, is going to be my choice. I think Tony Bennett still gets the nod. Um, Virginia has been surprisingly disappointing this season. I do think it's a bit of a reset. They had some roster turnover that he he didn't totally fill um, as appropriately because I think they had some transfers out they weren't expecting. Uh, Bennett, I think, is the clear choice there. I still expect Duke and UNC to be among the two or three, maybe four, best programs or best teams on an annual basis under Shire and Hubert Davis. And we're already seeing it under Hubert Davis this year at, at UNC. He hit the transfer portal really hard, kind of changed the way uh, that UNC plays a little bit more spaced out, more perimeter oriented. Um, they're doing fine. They've also made a big adjustment the way the defense has improved from the start of the season. So that gives me faith that, that he can coach, but for, to your larger point, the ACC is in a downward spiral, not just in basketball, but overall as a conference. Because you look at the football side of things, too. It's been, it was a Florida State show, and then it became a Florida State and Clemson show, and it's a Clemson show now. Uh, and Clemson had the worst year they've had in a couple of years, and you know Pitt won the ACC football championship. Like, cool. <laughs> you go to, to the, the basketball side of things, too. It, this year, it's Duke and UNC, your Blue Bloods, at the top. And it's a crapshoot everywhere else. There's no other team that looks like a tournament lock right now. I don't know if that's going to change moving forward. I mean, you would assume in future years that Tony Bennett gets the thing of Virginia turned around. Um, but who knows how long Leonard Hamilton is going to be at Florida State. You know, He's on the wrong side of 70. Jim Beheim, as you mentioned, at Syracuse. There's going to be some turnover here. And you know, if, if we're looking at it in, in three years, I think we could see a scenario where Duke, UNC, and Virginia are your only consistent NCAA tournament teams. Good, good stuff okay there. With, 
we're okay with pit football because they want some futures for us on a, on a football side. So, and, and we won't mention them for pit basketball uh, because I don't know what's happening yeah, that's there. A, but it's pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Uh, that's a mess. Well, that was that was tough. I think it was. I forget who put it out on Twitter. On I think it was Sunday night, and they said, "Did you ever think that Monmouth would be favorite over Pitt at Pitt?" It happened. But hey, Monmouth. I think they they won again tonight. I believe, and that I think they're eleven and zero ATS. So, but that was that was shocking. Yeah, Pitt's been a big disappointment. I mean, that's another team. I don't know if they came in like with high standards, Brian, but that's a team that, wow, what happened there at Pitt? They had things going uh, probably say year two, year three under Capel and then lost everybody to the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. It was just a scenario where they a breakthrough was expected, didn't happen. Culture wasn't strong enough to really keep everybody around and everybody dissipated. And it, it's left that program and, and Capel with essentially crumbs of a roster trying to rebuild again without the initial momentum of the coaching hire. And that's tough. Um, I, I don't have a lot of faith right now in his ability to get that program back to where it wants to be just because there is, there's no momentum around that program right now. Hey, Brian, real quick. Are you, can you just go in really fast about the transfer? Cause you see it in football now in basketball. Are you, are you one of these people that, Hey, I'm okay with it. Or like, no, I just can't stand it. They should sit out a year like back in the day. I'm okay with the one-time free transfer. I, I like that rule a lot because a lot of these guys are sold a bill of goods that aren't necessarily the case or their coach leaves or, you know, for some instances, it just, it just doesn't work out in the case of a coach leaving. And we like to say, a, maybe romanticize that a player is committing to a school and a program, not a coach, but you're committing to a coach. You're committing to become a better basketball player that you think the coach could turn you into. That coach leaves, you're not getting what you signed up for. And if that coach can leave without penalty, players should be able to leave without penalty too. There are cases where, you know, believe it or not, coaches lie to get players to commit. And there are things that don't go the way they're told. Uh, That can make players feel some sort of way too. And I like there being something of an escape hatch or a safety valve, uh, if that's the case. And, and there are sometimes, you know, where it just doesn't work out. And there are guys who would transfer anyway, if they didn't have to sit out a year, just because the situation isn't, isn't the case. Every other student can transfer, no problem. I understand that there's a, a different part of it that comes with athletics. I don't want people becoming free agents, especially with NIL, and transferring every single year just for new deals, new deals, new deals. But if you allow them to do it one time, in situations where again it just doesn't work out or coach leaves or things like that, I don't have a problem with that at all. Of course, he's not gonna have a problem with it because I mean his team just cleaned up in the transfer portal this week uh, on the football side. <laughs> we're gonna we're yeah. gonna get you out of here, Brian. But before we do, first, thank you for coming on and shooting the uh, ship with us here. But Absolutely. we got we got to hear what you think about getting Rattler and the tight end from uh, Oklahoma for your boys. So let's put it this way. The the tight end, um, Stogner, I think his, Stogner, his name is. I'm correct. still yep. still learning this part of things. <laughs> um, is going to be awesome. Uh, from everything that I've, I've seen and read, he's an NFL caliber tight end. Shane Beamer, South Carolina's head football coach, has made it a point that we're, South Carolina's going to use tight ends and have that be a focal point of the offense. So having a one like him, I'm all for. Spencer Rattler, I understand um, the baggage. 
that comes with him off the field uh, and some of the warts that he showed on the field this year. At the same time, you have to remember South Carolina started a grad assistant, not a grad transfer, a grad assistant at quarterback. Even if Spencer Rattler is half of the five-star prospect he was, he's not a coach. So I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> awesome. Why don't you give us a quick plug on all your stuff and then we'll let, we'll let you skate out of here. Yeah. So uh, again, the website I write for is heatcheckcbb.com, heatcheckcbb.com. Uh, call it anything you want as a college basketball fan. You can find out, learn more about uh, over there on heatcheckcbb.com, heatcheckcbb on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter as well. My handle is bralph33, spelled B-R-A-U-F-33. Thank you so much, man. We appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks. Thanks we'll, uh, we'll shoot you some uh, messages too. Thanks, man. Sounds good. All right, boys. That guy's a he's a he's a guy's guy. Smooth too. Yes, very smooth. Great articles. Um, yeah. yeah, I've been a fan of his for probably over a year now, and really diving into his stuff. And um, yeah, another just great mind. I mean, this is we we bring you Greg Peterson. Now it, we brought you Brian and great college info, man. College hoop. We love the hoops too. This a this a podcast that I. I think, you know, we love, we love a lot of sports with the boys here, but I mean, we do. Jason said that the last time on the NFL show, like we never stop. I and mean, we, we go into baseball and we, I mean, it's just sport after sport and we like to throw down some bets. There's no doubt, but man, college basketball, we love college basketball. Yeah. I I'm, I'm starting to finally dig in now since like the fantasy season's dwindling down the NFL's getting tight here it's start it's starting to get into hoops time once once christmas hits yeah it's hoops time it's yeah nice i think you know nice slow week this week too so they kind of ease you in right you don't have the huge volume because you got exams right now so as we transition here from football like oh okay i can handle 20 games a night because you know as soon as we turn the corner on the holidays it's gonna be like 85 games on monday night and you're like oh i don't know who to pick you gotta go through all yeah. of them and try to find that value it's, it's incredible so i appreciate college basketball easing us in with some of these, you know, some easy matchups. We get to learn some of these surprise teams, like you mentioned with Monmouth, who we should keep an eye on. Def that's definitely a bracket buster to kind of put in the back of your head until March, because like I said, 11 or no, 18, yes, so far. Uh, King Wright, North Carolina guy, doing really well there. Kaminsky, smooth transition. I was just going to say, why don't we touch on a few uh, upstart programs since we already gave out Monmouth, we already gave out Colorado State. Do you guys have anybody else in there who's really sneaky good right now? Well, can I just say one thing about Monmouth? Because I was watching the oh. game. I think, I think it was Sunday. I think that was Sunday against Pitt. And I I had Pitt and I lost that, but I did jump on Pitt live bet and I did win that. But Monmouth is one of the best free throw shooting teams out there. And that's big. I'm a big, I love keeping an eye on those kind of teams. And when you have those lines that are kind of close always take those teams because it's amazing to watch college basketball, these teams that cannot shoot free throws. And when you have a team that can keep an eye on them, 10 and 0, I saw that today on Twitter. Somebody posted that. I can't remember who it was, but they did, I think beat Yale tonight and they were dogs in that game. So good job by mom. I, I know a team we can fade and that's Arkansas Pine Bluff. Let's just put that out there. One in 10 <laughs> and not very good. So fade, fade good old Arky Pine Bluff. Well, you say that, though, but you got to be careful with some of the small schools that have the bad records because sometimes the schedules are amazing. <laughs> like, 
You see, like Bellarmine, like I, I couldn't, I'm pretty sure it's in Kentucky. I'm not 100% sure it's in Kentucky. But, you know, I look at that. They're playing Gonzaga. They've played, I think they played West Virginia. They played a bunch of teams. And you're like, you look at their strength of schedule, you're like, it's insane. So um, those little guys are out there, like, you know, and those are the ones, that's more of a betting interest thing where, you know, they're going to get a nice healthy line with that one in 10 record and they might surprise somebody or at least keep it close. And that's all you're really looking for, right? Um, you know, I think you kind of look through it. San Francisco was a team we asked uh, Greg Peterson about. They're still hanging around. They really don't have a quality win yet. But, you know, they're kind of climbing up the Ken Palm, um, coming off a good year last year and some good metrics this year. Um, yeah, there's, there's a handful of teams. Like we mentioned kind of in our, our podcast here, you know, the good conferences have their good teams at the top. You mentioned the top 25 stack with the P6, you know, because we'll throw in the Big East as a power conference for basketball. But there's like that next layer underneath. And these, guys, these teams are kind of hiding underneath all that ranking because you just don't see them up there yet. But they're coming because they're not going to lose games once they get into league. Yeah, I think what you know, Jason said about like scheduling, keep an eye on that because I think we talked, I know I took Detroit about a week ago and they were, they did not have a win, but they have a really good player and the matchup they played, it was just, their schedule was so hard and you look and you go, wow, they're 0-7, they have to be horrible, but you got to be careful, you know, if you're not diving into you know, like the rankings or where the, like the, uh, the strength of schedule, keep an eye on that. Cause that's very important because Detroit's strength of schedule was just, it skyrocketed this other team that they played and it was an easy cover. And the team, the other team had like one or two, maybe three wins and Detroit was winless, but it wasn't close because Detroit's competition was just so tough. So, you know, a lot of, we've said it before, a lot of people with all these States opening up now and people can gamble, you know, some people just look at those kind of things, really look into who they played, strength of schedule, and that can help you out. One thing I wanted to touch on, too, is some of these teams who look good right now but actually may not be that good. I know Wisconsin kind of falls into that category. Um, looking into some of the other ones, I think Michigan State may be one of those teams that, you know, they've played some good schedules. They've actually played decently in those games, but they just doesn't look like the team is quite right. Florida State definitely fits, uh, fits that category. I love the point guard there, but they don't let them play point guard. And uh, watching them play Purdue, it was just a mismatch of uh, guys out of position is everything else. And uh, I also wanted to ask about how, what he thinks about Purdue, because we have some debate amongst ourselves about how good they are. I'm a little more down on them, I think, than you guys are. Uh, I think they have an NBA lottery guy, and it's the same Purdue team, just with an NBA lottery guy this year. Well, I'll touch on your who looks good but might not be like I think Tennessee fits into that bowl um I, I can't really buy into their squad right now uh they do have a uh, their coach is good I, I mean he's gonna get them where they need to be they're definitely gonna be in the tourney but they're a team that I can see on day one coming up tourney time if they get the three four scene I think they're gonna be in danger if they get a, a bad matchup I think they're they're a team to look out for if you're looking forward ahead a lot granted but uh Tennessee not real sharp, in my opinion. And I think that's a lot. I mean, like, I think Brian touched on that is who is good? Because Baylor's looking the, the part right now. And it's kind of amazing that they've come back because they lost a lot. And they, you know, they steamrolled Villanova. And Brian wrote an article um, in his piece about Villanova being good, but not elite. 
And, you know, that kind of fits in there. And if you really look at it, like Baylor, Duke, Purdue, UCLA, Gonzaga, Bama. Well, the thing about Duke, and I've said that with Jason, their best player, you got to keep an eye on this. He loses about eight pounds a game. When they played out in Vegas, he had some crampy uh, cramps um, against Gonzaga. That was against Gonzaga and had to sit out, had a great first half, but then kind of cramped up. But man, when you lose like eight, nine, 10 pounds a game, they said they have to monitor him a lot game day. That's tricky. I'm not sold on their guard shooting. I don't think they shoot the ball very well. You know, Purdue, I'm a little higher on than Jason. We've had this conversation a lot. So that can go back. UCLA, yeah. They have a nice team, man. They made a great run last year. And some people, some basketball people said, you know, here's a team again, that really went on a run last year at the right time. Are they that good? I do like their point guard. He's really worked a lot in the off season, trying to hit the three pointer a little bit better. They got some good players, you know, Gonzaga, some key losses, you know, they've lost a couple already. Bama, they shoot a lot of three-pointers. They're not hitting the three-pointers. Are they that great? So my point is, and this could be wide open in March. Yeah, I, I don't think the question that it will be. I think this is, like you said, there's no dominant team. I think uh, interesting thing with Duke, I just noticed this looking at their schedule. They have not played since that Ohio State game as part of the uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, they've been off for a solid two weeks. They played tonight against South Carolina State. That's obviously a bye game. But then they play Thursday, Saturday, and Wednesday. So that's four games in basically nine days. So we will see if Bentero can actually keep the weight down, if he can get himself hydrated. That's a pretty uh, – that's like an NBA schedule for a college team. You usually don't see that, right? You usually see two games a week at most. Occasionally you have the tournaments where you'll see back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, but they get some time off in between. But uh, this, the cramping issue and his ability to retain fluids – be tested i mean he's going to duke medical school so it's, i'm sure somebody's going to figure something out yeah and i and i said to the boys i you know i took i think i took um what game was that it was in the gonzaga game who did duke lose to then jason i was saying oh ohio it was state. ohio state it was the ohio state game that's right i said the key for ohio state in that win was get the big guy in foul trouble and make the guard shoot from the outside well duke if if I remember correctly, was about four for 14 from three-point line, got the big guy in foul trouble. They had the transfer from Marquette that comes off the bench. He also got in foul trouble. Then there were some issues. And I, I just can see that happening with Duke this year. I, I'm not sure if they have enough guys consistently that can hit the three-pointer or the jump shot. That could be a problem. All right, I'm going to give out the two teams that I really like, and then I'm going to go out a small school too for future. So I've already brought up USC. I'm higher on USC probably than most people They're, I'm going to put a little pizza money on them tonight for them to, I, I might go with Brian's idea and go with the final four versus win it at all. I love LSU and their athleticism. I, however, they're that team to me that's going to get to the elite eight and then get run out by somebody who's really good basketball knowledge and skill wise. And then I got a long shot. And you brought it up, Smitty. I love that Iona team because of Patino to cause a little bit of havoc if they get into the tourney. Now, it's a huge if, but if I think if they go, I think if they're one of the teams that go 29 and four or something like that, run their tournament, but even losing their conference tourney, I think they're still in. I think that's a team to keep an eye on, especially if you have the futures on their over team wins. 
Yeah, you bet. And they've got some pretty nice little efforts here so far this season. Uh, I think they have a, a 13 point loss to Kansas. Uh, they beat Alabama yep. <laughs> on a neutral floor. And then they lost to Belmont by seven. Belmont's going to be one of those teams, too. They go, and, but Belmont's always yep. that team, right? You, you, you see him in the bracket, you're never surprised to see them. Um, yeah, he's recruiting some dudes to Iona. And the MAC is just not a league really that has any NBA style players. So they should really roll through there and, and be able to kind of rest guys and unscathed Saturday they play Seton Hall uh at on a neutral floor so that's actually kind of an interesting game keep your eye on see what the point and spread is on that one um and uh who knows they maybe can do some catch another big guy by surprise yeah just to touch on that real quick so their power rankings I'm looking at right now Iona and Belmont are 46 and 47th overall I mean if Iona can knock off Seton Hall is 17th overall Man, that's a great resume. That alone might get him in with a win over Bama, too. Yeah, I think, I mean, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I just, you know, I think what we have been saying on this is just it's going to be every night, it's going to be hard. And especially maybe gambling, taking some of these. I'm going to throw one out right now. Um, Arizona is playing Crane tonight. Crane just came off a big win, just blew out BYU over the weekend, just blew them out. I took, the Blue Jays, they played extremely well. Is I think it was out west. It was at like a uh, alternate site kind of thing. But Arizona State's been bad. Bobby Hurley, how he still has a job to me is amazing. I mean, his team against, I think it was Wash. Who was that, Jason, that they scored like 30 points for the game? I want to say Washington State. I think it was Washington State. Yeah. So right now, they're, I mean, there's three minutes left. They're winning by two. That's what I mean. I think it goes again. This is crazy. I mean, it's crazy. And like Brian posted a little bit before he came on the show, the ACC and Wake Forest was losing. Clemson was losing. Uh, Carolina was in a tight game with Furman tonight. Now, I think those teams might have pulled it out. I think Wake Forest did come back and win by about six. And I think Clemson maybe pulled it out. And Carolina pulled away. But that ACC, like, that ACC is not good. Carolina think. did pull away, but they really didn't pull away. They, I mean, that's a team you you got to beat. You got to beat Furman by fifteen if, if you want to get the spread like, was like, ten. The spread was yeah. 10. They yep. they covered. They they won by thirteen, but I mean that's that, that's not even a really good Furman team that we like we've seen in the past. They're they're seven and five. Uh, I mean, Carolina's got to put the you got to put the the gas down on those guys. I think they haven't played in a while, though. So, I mean, that's one thing that's tricky about uh, this time of year when you have all the exam schedules and things. Guys aren't practicing. So this is kind of an opportunity uh, where you can usually get some covers. Small schools playing bigger schools for some reason because the big schools just don't practice. No, they played Saturday. so it, And it, it was Elon, so it wasn't exactly like they got, got tested. So, hey, maybe Furman's got a little something. The one, the one, I think Furman's in a pretty good conference. I think Chattanooga is off to a really good start there. And I think uh, there's another team that's off to a pretty good start there. I think Chattanooga is like nine and one right now. You know, I, what I've been hearing about North Carolina was their defense. They just gave up a ton of points in the last couple of games. They've been kind of locked down on defense and that's really what they need. Uh, there's some games, you know, run and gun and, but they give up too many points. Um, you know, a team, I think a team that I still like because of the coach is Texas. Now, can they make a run? 
I just like anytime you have Beard as your coach, I think you can make a run on that. And uh, the one other team, Matt, I really like, and I've watched, and again, I called against Duke. I really like that Ohio State team. I like the head coach. They have, you know, uh, they got the two big boys underneath. They have some guards. They have a couple shooters on that team. Keep an eye on Ohio State. I think Ohio State could make a pretty good run this year. I'll tell you what, the key guy for Ohio State, and you, you wouldn't think it by watching them, is the guy Young, the power forward. The guy it looks like he has basically like a bionic arm because they put so much K-tape on it uh, so he can play every week. He somehow is the glue guy who makes that all work. Liddell's a great player, and he gets the points. But when Young plays, they can beat anybody. When he doesn't play, they look rough. That's, uh, he didn't play against Akron, and you saw that kind of – that game almost got away from him on the home floor. But, I mean, when they played Duke, you saw, the like you said, you saw the whole thing. You saw Key underneath. You saw Liddell playing all over the place. And then you saw guys getting open looks because you have to help on those big guys. Um, they don't have anybody who can really break you down off the dribble. Um, so Liddell kind of has to do it by just absorbing double teams. But, yeah, they're they're better than I thought they were uh, when I initially watched them the first couple of games. I really thought scoring would be a challenge for them. But um, you just can't guard uh, E.J. Liddell one-on-one. So that's the biggest help. And uh, – Texas plays Pine Bluff today, Matt's favorite uh, SWAC team. So they should get right there. I agree with Texas. I, I watched them playing at Seton Hall. It's a different looking team. They don't look soft at all. They look like they're adopting their coach's grittiness, and that's just going to get better as the year goes on. Texas has those 6'5 to 6'9 long, lean athletes who can play the point guard all the way up to the power forward. I don't, I don't know if they have a true center to make a huge impact, but they are, they were on my watch list earlier in the year. I'm going to jump real quick. Hey, um, the big 10 is Penn state going to finish dead last or will Nebraska beat them in the big 10? Uh, I think Penn state's going to get some guys here. <laughs> so I actually think Nebraska is a better team. I think Penn state kid will be better than them because the schedule softer, but, uh, yeah, it's it's a huge step back. It's disappointing. Uh, like I said, come, I've, I've we've said this off text, like you know, coming off basically our best five year stretch ever, and like we're starting from scratch all over again this year. So it's brutal. Nebraska, I guess Hoiberg's in trouble now for recruiting violations as well. They've had some bad losses. That program is going. So I would think by maybe February it'll completely implode, and then hopefully we'll upset somebody at home like we usually do, and uh, be able to sneak out of the cellar. I didn't mean to put the knife in and twist it, but I had to. <laughs> I think uh, UMass did that. Oh. Hey, hey, don't worry, because, again, my my favorite team's Georgetown. Big win, being Syracuse. We needed that. That was a good win. And, again, the thing about Georgetown, I'm going to say it. It's going to be a tough year. There's no doubt. No doubt. Harris, though, legit point guard. Muhammad, I think it's Muhammad, the freshman five-star kid out of Missouri, a star, man. He took over that game against Syracuse on Saturday. Special. Kid can rebound. He hits, like they said, his motor doesn't stop. If you want to watch a guy that plays nonstop, watch him. He is special, good player. But I like how they're playing Matumbo's kid a little bit more now. You got to let him play. Growing into that body, I mean, 18-year-old kid, 7'2". They got a lot of issues. I mean, uh, they have a transfer, I think, from the Citadel that's can hit the three. Uh, Carry the guy that came from Siena a year ago, can hit the three. But it's going to be – they're probably going to be in last place too. But uh, it was a good win against Syracuse, especially when you beat Syracuse as a Georgetown fan. That was nice. 
you can piss right off. So I'm going to touch on my, <laughs> my team real quick, which is Syracuse. So I, I still don't know what to make of them. I've only watched one game, really. I love Bayheim. I love the zone. I always will. They actually have, I'm, I'm going to say two good wins. They're not great wins. They have two bad losses, though. I mean, well, VCU is not a bad loss. Colgate, to me, is a pretty bad loss in that conference. They they got smoked by Auburn. It took them two overtimes to beat Indiana and Florida State was a tight one. I, I don't think I, – I hate to say it. I don't think Syracuse is going to make the 20 this year. I'm going to be heartbroken. You, you know what Syracuse is going to do. They're going to turn it on late. They'll get just enough wins. They're going to win three games in the ACC tournament, and there we are on the bubble on Sunday like they always are, and they're going to get in as the 11th seed in the playing game, and we'll see them on Wednesday. Just book it. Um, so you're saying uh, they're, they're going to go 19 and 13 and get in? You can just write it in. It's, you don't even <laughs> have to worry about it. It's like I said, they're, they should just always – wherever the bubble thing comes up, Syracuse should just be permanently on that graphic. I'm sure that whoever uh, guy is built building that for CBS right now has Syracuse already listed on there because they're <laughs> always there. It doesn't matter. You don't need to work on it. Now, now Colgate, you, you say that like, yeah, obviously they're not that good. They're playing in the Patriot league, but they're actually a really good pay. Like if they get the right matchup in March. That team could be a problem. I think yeah, I agree. like, that, like on right. paper that on paper, that looks bad. They're not a horrible team, but when you're at home and you lose to Colgate and you lose by 15, yeah, no, no, it's, it was a bad loss. It's, yeah. You know, the but, thing, I mean, Matt, watching that game, I mean, you know, both his boys can shoot. The one especially can shoot. The point guard is very good. He can shoot. They got some size underneath. I, I agree with what Jason said there, especially what we've said, and Brian also said, is the ACC's not the strongest. They can get a couple key wins there maybe. And, again, I mean, the division being – or the conference being down a little bit. But if they can get some wins, I, I could see that team. And it, that's a team, like Jason said, you do not want to play in the tournament because they can stroke the ball from the three-point line. They got some size. The zone always gives people trouble. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see Syracuse. So I think Georgetown had an advantage on Saturday with Ewing putting Muhammad at the high post because he had played high school basketball last year and probably had seen a zone and like understood what he was supposed to do. Because no one attacks the zone that way. The only team I can ever remember attacking Syracuse that way and doing really well was Pitt. Pitt always seemed to have that point forward type who could just kind of play right there. And anybody knows who's played any level of basketball, that's where you attack the two, three. But once we get to like this level, no one wants to do that. Or, and they're really not comfortable with that 15 foot shot. You know, you put it 30 feet, the guy will take it every single time. You put them basically taking a free throw with a jumper and they just, that mid range game, nobody wants to do that anymore, right? Analytics has killed the mid range, but. Against the two, three, you got to go mid range. That's where all the, the seams and the gaps are, as any uh, high school level coach will tell you. You know who did the best ever? What I saw as a Georgetown fan against Syracuse in a game, Otto Porto Jr. could catch the ball right around that foul line, like you're saying there, and could just turn and could shoot and drill it every time. He killed them one. I can't remember if it was up in Syracuse one time when they were playing. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, that's what you got to do. You know, again, and I'm done because Georgetown's not going to be in the turn. I mean, if they don't go on another magical run, but play the young kids, play Matombo a lot. He wasn't playing them at the beginning. I'm glad he's playing them now. Play the young kids. Hopefully nobody leaves and they stay. That's the problem anymore. And we've said it. 
you get a team and you got, oh, we got this kid and we got this kid. Well, you know, could they go pro? They could. Could they go to the G League? Maybe. Do they transfer because they're not happy that they're not something? Who knows? I mean, again, they would have had the kid that Wahab, if he would have stayed and not gone to Maryland, it, that would have been a big difference for Georgetown this year. But what can you do? Hey, I'll, I'll touch on just one last thing before we probably sign off here. So uh, I love, so I'm going to be selfish with it. I brought it up earlier. I, I love Vegas for March Madness. I want two teams in the tournament. I, of course, want Syracuse in it. And I want to get a Buddy Buckets t-shirt just for that. But I want the Wyoming Cowboys in because I have a beautiful cowboy hat. And I want to sit in a Vegas sports book and drink obnoxious drinks with a cowboy hat on, yelling and screaming at a television. <laughs> you can do that on a Friday night if you want to. <laughs> well, you can, bar, down I want the street on the, the whole, strip. I want the whole getup, man. I want the Cowboys t-shirt, like the ringer around the sleeves. I, I want it all, Smitty. I'm going to be jealous. Well, it's hey, I'll, I'll just say, myself and Q, our flight is booked. So we are coming out. So we are the host of schools there. What about Stetson? Stetson's a hatter. They literally named the school after the hat, right? You got to get those guys in. I think, I think we'll root for them out of the. I think we need UC Irvine so we can get that shirt with the anteater surfing and wear that. Oh, yeah. They might get in. Oh, yeah. Actually, I think they're down a little this year. I think they've, uh, all their famous guy, uh, sons have finally moved on, but. Yeah, we'll have to do a show that covers all those little guys. Uh, Buffalo is a team of interest. They played really good against Michigan. I think they'll win the MAC. I think the MAC's actually a decent league. Whoever comes out of there will be a scary tournament team from what I've seen so far. Um, Grand Canyon looks a little down. They were kind of by the whack. They looked like they were going to be a team that was going to be like the, the Goliath, kind of like Gonzaga was out of the West Coast for all those years. And then the West Coast Conference actually looks pretty good this year. Gonzaga's going to test it a couple times because the guards aren't as good as they've been. It's going to help them, I think, come tournament time. Because it looks like San Francisco is going to be a tough play. BYU looks like they've got hit by injuries, so they're not going to be quite as tough as they were. St. Mary's is kind of St. Mary's at this point. Um, it's a big travel in that league, too. Young guys, like a lot of these teams, I think, like Michigan, even Gonzaga, they just have young guys who just need to learn to play. They maybe have played a little too hard of a schedule so far. And, you know, when they get a little softer, you know, like right now, three, four games, to get some confidence before they go into the league, you're going to see them improve a great deal. I, I think that's the biggest thing. They kind of got a running start into Division One basketball, and I'm not sure if that's the best way to go with some of these younger guys. All right, boys, I don't have anything else. You guys want to touch on anything else before we sign off? No, I love talking college basketball. Yeah, I know. We could keep going. but <laughs> <laughs> And it's just great again to bring another fantastic. I posted that last night. Man, are we just right now bringing on just fantastic people. We've had in the last couple of weeks, you know, Peterson, uh, Tim Murray again. Uh, we brought Pamela Modernado in October. She was fantastic. It was great having her. Pete Medhurst last week talking to Army Navy. That was fantastic talking Dick to Dick Jack Johnson. Oh, he was fantastic. That man. Been talking to him. I like how he always puts on Twitter about Smitty. I knew he had a teaser. You better believe I had a teaser. <laughs> All right, boys. We're uh, everybody doing it, people. I mean, listen, we're doing this. We're going to keep firing the best people out here for interviews, and we're going to try to keep giving winners. That's what we do here. Yep. Check us out. Our Twitter handles uh, at Notebook Wagering JCAM at Smitty Box. And I am at if you follow Matt. Q's not with us tonight, but check him out too at Q Mills. And we are the fellas from at Notebook Wagering. Bang your bookies and have a good week. 
Thanks for listening to the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and be sure to follow at Notebook Wagering. Until next time.